are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma down at 612 with Amy Young, also known as Amy 612 to most of you listening. I really appreciate your time. This is um, such a special building and can't wait to hear the backstory. Uh, for those people not, you know, that don't know what 612 is, what is it? <laughs> you want me to say it? Okay. Yeah, let's go. We got, we got plenty of time. What All is right. 612? Great. So we are a community education center, and community education is one concept together. I mean, um, it, it fosters a lifelong love of learning, and so I... Okay, I'll give you the elevator speech, and then I'll go back and tell you a little bit about it. So we are a center that focuses on education in the areas of creativity and sustainability. So we believe in educating ourselves on how to take better care of ourselves and better care of each other, better care of our community, and it's all through learning how to do these things that are art, music, film, cooking, gardening, um, gathering together in community events, providing opportunities for these people that will be teaching outside of what they've already had through residencies. And the idea is that we give people a touch point to this center and this community from the time you're around three until you leave the planet. So you really do develop and go deep with people and with the concepts of uh, sustainability, which sustainability is creativity as well. You know, it's just figuring yeah. out solutions to issues uh, with gardening, composting, mushrooms, worms, water catchment, um, you know, things that we're all facing right now across the globe. Right. Um, and getting people to think in creative ways because we're facing issues that our legislators do not know how to solve right now. And if I can provide a place where people feel loved and accepted no matter how they are, who they are, what they love, um, they're a lot more likely to take risks. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's important in creativity and learning how to do things in a different way. So hopefully we're raising up a community of people multiple generations that will learn how to solve the problems that our world is facing. Yeah, not just learning mindless math, English right. and science <laughs> that we get taught in school. I mean, those are very important Fundamentals, tools, I agree. Yes, yeah. for those solutions. And I think it'll take somebody who you know, is really gifted in math in order to find some of the solutions, especially True. when it comes to science and disease and things like yeah. that. But basically what we're trying to do is just take care of each other mm -hmm. and it be something that helps you to live a better life. When I first started this place, right before I started and opened it, I kind of had a checklist of things that I'd learned about from this guy named Dan Butner, who okay. wrote a book called the blue zones and he had gone all over the world and found like five communities that had the longest living healthiest and happiest people and 
the things that those communities shared in common were that they valued community, um, they gathered together regularly, they had intergenerational living, and okay. so uh, the grandparents were living in the house, they still had purpose, they helped with raising the kids, the kids had those grandparents, and everyone felt me- like they had meaning yeah. and a place. Um, they all took naps, they all gardened, they all took walks. Um, these simple things that we tend to in America work so hard and so long that we just kind of shove out of our lives and we don't um, incorporate these ideas into our lives because we just don't have time. We're taking care of kids. We're taking care of our job. We're taking care of houses. We're taking care of all these things. And I think that the answer to all of the things that we've been facing, the anxiety, the um, disease, the early death, I think that's all coming from overworking ourselves, not just at our jobs, but um, also maybe in feeling we're responsible for changing each other's minds politically. I think that has been something that has really decayed our sense of community and also even our own health inside. And so... And I was one of those people that got on Facebook and, you know, preach, 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 preach about political things. But I'm realizing... I always laugh when I see people do that. Right? (laughs) You know, it's an exercise in futility. Oh, it is. You're right. Yeah. And now all I want to do is just unify people. And there's all kinds of issues surrounding that as well. Sometimes people don't want to be unified and you have to be really patient and understanding about that. Uh, But... I really believe in the power of community to help make a change, you know, and to be there for each other. And when you add creativity into it, like our preschool, I guess I should talk about what we actually do here. (laughs) Day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Our preschool, we say that we have a stream kind of method where it's science, technology, reading, engineering, art, math, and music. So um, it's not just STEM, it's not just STEAM, but we don't want to forget about reading because that is also one of those things that opens your world and I think calms you down a little bit too, depending on what you're reading. But we have a preschool for three to five-year-olds. We have after-school programs for six to 17-year-olds, the dream is, but we stop around 12 right now, you know. Um, And then camps for six to 12 years old and now we've got one for 12 to 17 for a cooking camp this summer uh, which all of this can be found on our website 612.org spelled out Um, and then we have adult workshops we have community events we have the residencies uh, community garden community kitchen chickens water catchment systems uh, geothermal heat and air system to heat and cool the air we only have electric in uh, the building but you know the main reason why I don't get online or preach to people's faces anymore about what you should be doing. I mean, I'll definitely post ideas for things that we should be paying attention to, but is that 
even sustainability is a balancing act. You know, we can brag about just being electric and not using gas, but we're still burning coal to get electricity. So fossil fuels, you know, and and also it's really not our job to tell anyone else what to do. It's just to provide the opportunities for people to learn about ways in which they can better their lives. We think they can. That's up to them. Um, And opportunities for people to come together and work. We have volunteer times on Mondays and Saturdays. Days, and anyone that comes and works in the garden can take home produce and eggs when our chickens finally lay. Um, these things that give you an opportunity to learn in a very informal way, like volunteering, uh, sometimes is how people feel most comfortable doing that. Right. Or you can come take a workshop, whatever it is. Yeah. But we're also just about four years old, a little over four years old. So, And each program takes about three years to establish. So we have gotten a lot done. A lot of trial years. and error as well oh, with yeah. the programs. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the dreams that I kept in mind notebook that I wanted to do when we opened. We've done all of them except for the senior program, which is we want to bring seniors from the neighborhood in to volunteer with the kids. And so they have a grandparent figure and these seniors have a chance. And I hear now it's not appropriate to say seniors. It's active <laughs> aging adults. Is that what it's called now? Yes. And not so OAPs as they call uh, back home. Is that, is that a phrase out here? What does OAP mean? Old age pensioner. Oh, God. Gosh, yeah. That's See, I don't think that would fly here either. I think that uh, the active aging adults, and I think that there's something to that because even me, at, uh, I'm going to go ahead and broadcast it for the whole world, 48 <laughs> years old, I feel like I'm about 33, you know, because yeah. I've been taking care of myself recently in the past year. And, and, People are living younger styled lives later into life now. And I think that a lot of it just comes, most of it will come from what you tell yourself inside your mind, the stories, the narratives that you've got. Oh, yeah. But those things can also help encourage exercise or eating healthy or whatever you deem living a healthy lifestyle for you. So, you know, we just try to provide places and opportunities and things for people so that they can even know what it's like. Yeah. Like I said, it goes back to bringing people back to the community sense because especially the older age, you know, their family may have moved somewhere, their grandkids, they don't see them, Mm -hmm. their spouse may have passed, Mm -hmm. and they just sat at home. Or a nursing home. Exactly. And then I, you know... I really wish that I had millions and millions of dollars to buy more property and have a senior center because I know I'm headed straight there. (laughs) (laughs) You're the best senior center in the U.S. Well, thank you. I mean, there's a lot of research and experiences going on across the country where they're putting early childhood uh, experiences and classes into senior centers or uh, nursing homes and I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, um, I just believe in that intergenerational experience and how important it is. So, But I knew if I started with the preschool, then we would not only get those children, but we'd have their families, their parents, their grandparents, their sisters and brothers. And that was an instant community setter. And, you know, they don't have to come back for after school or camps or whatever, but I feel like 
um, once we get to the place where we have enough kids that go straight through all the way and we've been with them for 15 years, that's a real ripple you can put into the universe, you know? And if, you know, all all of our pre-K know about compost and landfill and recycling and we're getting ready to move towards a no waste kind of policy. That's where we need to go, especially with the plastics and all of that. But, um... Yeah, I think that as the world changes, we'll change. Our programs will change. But I was super dedicated to doing all of the things that I thought of at least once or twice to see if it would work. There's a couple of programs that probably could be replaced with something (laughs) else or revamped. But that's the beauty of any business. It's, It's a life of its own. And you learn as you go and change as you go. Right. And uh, four years is like... It's nothing in the grand scheme of things. Right. You've just been open for four years. It's yeah. still baby steps, still trial and error. Exactly. Still finding your feet. And, you know, like, like I said, you've got so much more to go. I so mean, 15 much more. years with these kids. Yeah. Just getting through that first group of kids that would just, you know, I mean, like I said, yeah. you've got 11 years left with them, right? That, yeah. That'd be so cool I to mean, just watch that happen. I mean, theoretically, if yeah. they would come back, we would love to watch them grow, help them grow, help the families as well. It's, it's a, you know, I don't allow more than 10 kids in mm-hmm. the pre-K because I taught elementary school music for eight years in Norman before I moved up here to work at the Oklahoma City Museum of Art. And while I was there, I kept a list, a checklist of everything I would do differently if I could have my own school. And then, you know, 12 years later, here we are. But um, one of those things was that low class sizes, low number of kids, so that they could have lots of individual interaction with the teachers. And we have at least two adults with those 10 kids, and sometimes there's three. Mm -hmm. I have this lovely staff that wants to come in early and stay late because they actually like planning and talking together which is going to be great next year when we go to salaried and this year I'm like okay let's watch the (laughs) (laughs) but it makes me so happy that they want to be here and they're excited about what they're doing that I don't dare tell them to go home yeah Um, But, yeah, it's just four years in, and I really think this is a 15-year project for me to get it complete. It's my my purpose in life. You know, this is my dream. And after we get the senior program, the next program that I'd really like to do is a travel program where we take people outside of the state, outside of the country if possible, go see other types of architecture that's eco-friendly, go see art. The beauty of a community education center that's based on creativity and sustainability is that covers pretty much anything you want to do. It's the same thing with this podcast. It's like, Oklahoma, what do you want to talk about? Literally anything. Anything. Anything you want. Hosted by a guy who has an accent that's all from Yes, well, I think it's probably what makes it work. Oh, it's yeah. Good. I got lucky with that one. Plus um, all the awesomeness that's in Oklahoma yeah. City. Oh, yeah, there's so much. I'm, it's a wonderful so place. It is. I moved up here 12 years ago in June and uh, to work at the museum. And I was there for... I guess it was four years before I left to go back to school at OU and finish my master's in art history. So I just was destined to commute for quite a while. But um, it's... 
it's just a wonderful thing to get to see it come to fruition. And then these residencies, I don't, you know, think I can afford to buy little houses all over the country. But I've practiced on Savannah. And the beauty of Savannah is that the people there are so welcoming and so warm and they want to help and they know that my intentions are good and so when I send an artist there and give them a place to live then I give them a stipend for travel a stipend for materials and then a stipend for their time and hook them up with galleries or community groups where they could teach or they can create or they can have a show have representation because one of my friends her name's Romy Owens she's a local artist, Oklahoma artist, and she's doing an incredible project up in Enid uh, under her wing with the universe. And she's done large-scale installations all over the place. But she came to me, well, we were traveling together, and she said it was right after she had finished her um, fellowship, I think that's what they're calling it, with OVAC, and entitled, she, there was a show. Anyway, she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I'm either going to have to get a job that's not an artist, or yeah. I'm going to have to move. And I'm like, I don't want to lose her from this state she's too important and what can I do and I had just come out of the leadership arts program that's on a hiatus right now thanks to our lovely budget but um, state budget but it's a wonderful program that the Oklahoma uh, Arts Council puts on where it trains classes of people every year by taking them all over the state to see the different arts projects that are happening and uh-huh. businesses um, all over the state and simultaneously train you how to advocate for the arts when there's budget cuts and things like that. Okay. So every year there was a new class leading the fight for saving arts in public places and all of these programs that they worked so hard to create and helped our state quite a bit. Um, So anyway, I decided, well, what if I could provide an opportunity outside of our home state in this place that I love? And I couldn't quit going there. Uh, I love Savannah. I go like every few months. And my dad was finally like, why don't you just buy a house there? Instead of paying for hotels and bed and breakfast, I was like, okay. You want to help me with that? And (laughs) he was like, yeah, I will. So thank you, Dad. I am so grateful. But I can't be there very often. You know, once every three months for a week is... Mm -hmm. Not a lot. So I was thinking, well, I can share this space with other people. And I'd always dreamed about doing residencies and had seen some others that did things without a huge business in the other place. So um, started sending people about four years ago back and forth. And it's been wonderful. Um, And the same here. You know, we bring people here and put them up in one of the apartments here uh, at 612. And they teach classes here. And then we've got the... um, hallway, the entryway to the Tower Theater. They've given us that space to be the 612 Gallery That's at Tower awesome. Theater, which they are the best people they over are there. Steven Tyler good. and his crew, uh-huh. I just love. Um, especially since I haven't had a show in months and yeah. they haven't said a word about it. <laughs> so nice. But it's coming back. So yeah. Anyway. So, wait, so you mentioned being a teacher previous mm-hmm. to this. Uh, 
was being a teacher like just the you know the dream from day one when you were a kid yes so yeah. when I was about eight years old I went to my mom and I told her that I wanted to have a one room schoolhouse when I got older yeah. um, I think I'd been watching a lot of Little House on the Prairie <laughs> but yeah. I really loved it and I loved that it was a community gathering space as well back then and then every time they retired textbooks at our school yeah. I would ask if I could bring them home and instead of playing house with my friends I would line the books up on the floor and I'm like okay we're playing school and I'm the teacher <laughs> and I don't know why my friends didn't want to come over <laughs> yeah. but my friend across the street tried to make me play let's clean her room so uh, yeah, <laughs> turn yeah. about fair play <laughs> definitely so yeah I've always known and really everything that I did and chose growing up even electives in high school um, led towards this it's in the volunteer positions I volunteered with the Paseo for six years before opening this place so that I would know the community and um, know what the needs were and I still think I'm learning you know yeah, I mean yeah. I've got a lot to learn and a long way to go but we're we're on our path you know and that's all you can do yeah. you get started and then you go <laughs> you know you just try to figure out things as you go and ironically I think that I was more afraid than um, than I needed to be but you don't know that until you get into it I was so worried that people were judging my every move when in reality nobody's really thinking about me yeah. they're thinking about what they're going to make for dinner course, yeah. how their kid they're going to help their kid through something you know I mean it's uh, funny how narcissistic we all are <laughs> oh yeah everyone everyone thinks that everyone wants to know their business right? and yeah nobody wants and to know like, business. nobody cares nobody cares <laughs> so this might not be a very heavily yeah. listened <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's it's you have to get outside of your own, out of your own way. Right. That is maybe the biggest lesson yeah. of the first couple of years. Uh -huh. So you said that um, you know you you weren't as a school teacher. You went to work for the museum. arts museum mm -hmm. and then went back to school. Mm -hmm. uh, so were you just always gearing up for just waiting for the right location to do this? Yes, I think so. But also to get mature enough and enough education right. under my belt and enough experience. Um, so this is really funny. I taught elementary school music for eight years. I have a, a bachelor's in music education and almost a master's in music ed. I left one class shy <laughs> in my oral exams because I called a wedding off yeah. and decided I needed to go take care of myself, but I didn't know the fine print of how you only have five years to complete uh, a master's. No so when I went back to finish it, I was told all your hours are null and void. Oh, I'd be so mad. <laughs> So I learned a huge lesson on that one. Yeah. Um, and then I left teaching after eight years, went to the museum, was there four years as an education curator, and I did that to get ex administrative experience. I was in charge of training the docents and organizing school tours and adult tours and in charge of the um, volunteers, interns, travel program. It was quite an interesting uh world of nonprofit oh, yeah. work and I loved it 
But uh, in 2010, I had a partner, and we bought this building together for $20,000. It no was going to be torn down the week after. So wow. we felt like we bought, and that's what the land was valued at. Yeah. So um, we felt like we bought a lot of building material. Oh, it's <laughs> just, yeah. And then a year later, I bought the lot next door for much more than $20,000 yeah, because the guy who owned it knew he had us because he knew he, we needed it. Yeah. Um, but it we, it worked out. And then it took us five years to rezone and renovate the building, about two and a half to rezone because we went through, I think, five different commissions, hearings and staff meetings and that kind of stuff to make sure we even had permission to do the dreams that we were dreaming here. Yeah. Um, we got a SPUD, Special Plan Unit Development, so we could do all of We could have small livestock if we wanted to, which is why we can awesome. have chickens, yeah. the garden. Um, we can have events. We can have a school. I think we even put in we could have a dog grooming station <laughs> if we wanted to. Um, anything and everything. Anything we could think of. That awesome. way we didn't limit ourselves in case it ever moved in a different direction. But. Yeah. So, yeah, we opened in 2015, and this is the end of our fourth school year, and I'm so proud of it. You know, it's really hard work, especially if you've never managed people before. Yeah. Which I thought I had experience. I I can do this. It's a little different, you know, when it's your own staff, and you're responsible for everything from cleaning the toilets to payroll and insurance and all of the things. Right. But that's every small business owner. They are some of the hardest working people and probably get paid the least and it's because you love it or you believe in your idea and your vision and I don't know I think if this tanked I'd just start trying to figure out how to do it all over again yeah it seems like it's working this building is awesome thank you just walking in and only seeing a little bit of it you know it's thank you it's such a cool spot right you guys have done a great job of the renovation and you you know the whole garden's awesome and obviously the day weather makes a huge difference perfect it's a perfect day day today (laughs) Uh, you know just pulling up a little early and seeing all the kids run around and getting ready to go and just everyone seems super happy right yeah I'm really glad that our staff is either genuinely happy or fakes it really well (laughs) I just I, you know, I read something the other day about how, uh, of course, your staff's attitude and energy affects everyone that comes in. Yeah. And so we're all working on our own selves, our own personal growth. It was such a cool conversation that we had. Um, Paul Mays is our director of permaculture, and he's the reason that the gardens look like they do and the volunteers that he gets to come right. and help. Um, he's also the reason that he and his roommates are the reason that we have the Paseo Farmers Market here every Saturday morning uh, between May 1st this time it was April 27th and the end of October and I'm so grateful for them but Paul is uh, really into permaculture and we were talking about I was saying that I really wanted us to make sure that we were meticulous with our energy and good to each other and watch the way that we spoke to each other and the kids and all of that and that if we didn't heal ourselves we couldn't heal each other we couldn't heal our community we couldn't heal our state country world you know and I want that I, I mean I know that's a pie in the sky idea but if we really take the time to go deep with people 
year after year after year and we are all watching our energy in the way that we you know operate with each other get rid of those codependent tendencies and uh, victimization and all these things I really believe that we can get to the essence of who we are and what we're meant to do with this gift that we have for our universe for our world for our community and I don't care how far out it goes as long as it's quality right and then Paul tells me about permaculture there are these zones and zone zero is yourself (laughs) and how when you're working on yourself it emanates out and I just I I used to think that community would be what saved the world, but in truth, I think that it is learning how to take care of yourself and how to be honest with yourself and how to be independent and how to heal yourself. And then you can bring other people in and interact and do those things. Because, you know, again, the anxiety these days in people all around is so heavy Mm -hmm. and so depressive and so controlling and I want people to feel free I want them to feel courage Um, Brene Brown this wonderful Texan lady I watched her uh, talk on YouTube or on um, Netflix about courage and vulnerability right after we had that conversation with staff because one of my staff members like have you seen this (laughs) and it talks about how without vulnerability there cannot be true creativity and I was just like, well, that's basically what I was saying. Yeah, you know? like, can I just grab a marker and write right? that on the wall? I know. In huge I told letters. them I've been crafting a lot lately, yeah. so they'd be seeing all these things about healthy communication <laughs> and not on the wall. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. That's it, true, though. Like I said, I mean, when you're a kid, and so you know, you want you're when you're a kid, you're at your most creative because you don't care what people. Yeah, think you're you, free, right? You don't care. You're not in the. You know, you, you're not really worried about what people care on you on social media. And I think that's when we, you know, when I grew up and when you grew up, that was like, we did that for longer, mm-hmm. right? You know, like I probably did it till I was like, I don't know, what, 10 or 11, 12, until you really start thinking, wow, why does that person think of me? Yeah. Now it's getting shorter because these kids are on social media at like five and six, right? which is crazy. Right. But so then you have places like, you know, what you've created to just say, don't worry about that. Like you, if you've got a group of you around here that says, you know, go be creative. And mm-hmm. like for me, like my worst nightmare is like, you know, when you see the first scene of like an acting class and mm-hmm. they like try and be a monkey and they try yeah. and be someone else and I'm just you're frozen yes I'm yes. just like yeah I'm not doing that like that is me <laughs> that's like, our you know, uh, camps so on the yeah, first day exactly. but by the end they've loosened up right and like I said you, you know we have this spot now for people to do that whereas like yeah. if this wasn't Disney didn't exist then you have you know hundreds of kids like myself or worse you know that just they just stick to their phone or stick right. to what they know and they don't talk they don't communicate yeah they don't they don't unlock their creative ability right yes um and they and they then they don't get used to failing right well and there is we also have a really big push to get outside as mm-hmm. well because there's a lot of research right now talking about how these kids the rise in ADD is actually directly related to how much time they spend outside because they're oh, okay. not getting enough of the fine motor development and uh, gross motor development that you get from climbing a tree or climbing yeah. up a hill or walking across rocks or whatever it is running just getting yeah. outside and putting breath in your lungs you know um 
Yeah, I joke about how when I get old, I'm going to um, take this top floor of this building for my living space. It will have to have an elevator here for me and my niece, but I'll take one of the apartments and then my... Um, yeah, my nurse yeah. can take the other I'll shoot Nerf guns at the kids from the balcony and that kind of stuff. But yeah, you come in here in thirty mm. years and you're like, yeah, where's Amy? Where's Amy? Now she's upstairs. And then you just see yelling. She's ridden her chair up the side of the wall to the second floor. No. Oh. But. Yeah, it's just really important. And, oh, this whole uninterrupted period of time for work and creativity mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why I like the Montessori method. And this was the first okay. year that we really, truly kind of dedicated pre-K to the Montessori method. And So what is that? I don't know what so, that is. So uh, Maria Montessori was this lady uh, who was a teacher, philosopher. She wrote tons of books and trainings. Okay. Turn of the century. Um, and it... You know, the I guess reputation for Montessori is that you just let kids go wild and do whatever they want to do, but okay. that really isn't true. Um, we have they're like centers, but they're workstations, and gotcha. it could be like a little egg carton with three little stoppers of red, yellow, and blue food coloring in vinegar, and then some baking soda. It's basically what you would do for your excuse me quintessential volcano science okay. fair project to see the fizzing and the bubbling and okay, you know explosions yeah. and stuff but the kids are actually mixing colors to find from primary to secondary colors gotcha. and then also a science experiment at the same time there's meticulous yeah. tiny little works that work on getting kids uh hands motor skills developed because we've been finding that a lot of kids come in without even being able to hold a pen or yeah, a pencil or you write, know uh, write in cursive or write yeah that's gone yeah, we can, that's so gone we'll hopefully bring that back someday yeah. but um yeah and blocks of course and painting and drawing and creating shapes with puzzles and we have the most beautiful puzzles of the world downstairs as well and the idea is that kids have longer periods of time it's very calm it's very quiet uh, we had an interview last week or a couple of weeks ago and the parents came in and they were like we're concerned with how quiet it is in here and I said I know I'm like don't worry um, after this work period of time you'll see their true selves yeah, exactly. especially when we go outside um, which is good we want them to use their voices we want them to yeah. live Run their fullest life yeah but yeah. I dream of having long uninterrupted periods of time to work and actually focus and get a whole project done in one sitting yeah. it never happens because it's my job to provide what is needed for my staff in order to do their job mm -hmm. and to make sure we're compliant with everything and um, yeah, I don't get to spend as much time with the kids as I'd like to, but yeah. I do get to teach on Wednesday mornings for about 
three, four hours sometimes. That's really cool. So I still get my fix. Yeah. Because in reality, all of this is based on my love of education yeah. and children and wanting to give what I can in ways that will expand exponentially throughout the right. years. I'm sure when, when you had this dream, when you started this, it's not, you know, you'd never thought about mm-hmm. all the stuff that goes on behind it and be like, no. actually, I'm a business owner now. Yeah. Or I'm, like, I run this whole place. Right. And I have any time to teach kids. Like, no. Like, your passion's not there anymore. It's right? unfair it's to the children the and the teachers right. to depend on me to do that. Yeah. Because then I will get pulled away or, right. you know, distracted. And so, um, but that was the very first thing that they told us at the Oklahoma Center for Nonprofits when we went to learn how to start a 501c3. Yeah. The very first thing they said is, if you want to be involved in the programming, get an executive director and pay them yeah. because you will not be doing the programming and the directing. It just, it really isn't possible. And I, I know it's pie in the sky for me yeah. to think that I can, but originally I was just going to have a preschool okay. and travel during the summers. Yeah. But when we got down here and after all the experiences I'd had with the museum and volunteering and seeing what was needed in Oklahoma, uh, especially encouraging progressive thought, yeah. I was like, all right, this thing. And my partner that I had at the time really wanted to renovate a building, a historic structure in a uh, sustainable way and tie it to the community in some way. And so originally they were going to handle camps and uh, events and I was going to do school and residencies. But once we split and he went on to other building projects, I took over and and did it all. Now it's my show. (laughs) I can do this. Right? Yeah. Which no hard feelings towards that guy anymore yeah. at all it's all good it's just a really overwhelming thing to take yeah. something on like this by yourself but I have the greatest staff the greatest customers the greatest uh, community everybody wants to help right. I'm just having to learn how to delegate and utilize that help in the very best way because in the first really six years of building a business you're just trying to get all the systems in place and then you can tell people what's needed you know and it's been difficult because we bought this building in 2010 many people thought we'd been open since then because we had an online presence with doing um, rain barrel workshops and collaborating with other community groups and things and so they're like what's taking so long (laughs) well to start building and permits uh, right Perfect. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Not reality. But again, I think the story I had in my head of what other people were thinking was Mm -hmm. not true. Yeah. Um, But you have to get over yourself sometimes. Is this now, like, is this everything that you dreamed of? And more. And more. Yeah, yeah. way more. Like, um, everything's perfect. Yeah, well. Well, no. I mean, like, like, like from, like, you know, like a visual standpoint, right? Yes. Like, everything um, you've envisioned is, is here. So, there's one more thing, yeah. two more things, really, that I would, I dream about. One is getting transportation. So, we can take people out, out okay. into the community and, you know, also transport art and all yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But. Um, That's a call for a van, everybody listening. 
thing. It's a what? <laughs> so that's a call for a donation. Yes, for a van. if you have a van, if you have a van, especially yeah. a VW electric yeah. bus van. <laughs> that's my dream. Two of out. those are my dreams. Yeah. But the other dream is to build a Hobbit house into the berm behind uh, the okay. driveway, with, complete with like a round door and a rounded greenhouse off the side of it, and that be where we have the pre-K. Bilbo Baggins' house. Bilbo Baggins' house yeah. or our pre-K, which would go with our English tutor style, oh, yeah. even if it is Art Deco, Art Nouveau yeah. kind of, you know, influence. Um, but that would allow us to keep our pre-K furniture okay. stationary and for that class because that I mean it's all education it's all creativity but that is the one that we use methodology with trial and error and all the things it's a very serious educational model and um, it would be great if we could have a place that was just for them ironically one of our residents this summer uh, we have a local resident named uh, Gabe Friedman and he has a daughter in our pre-k and he's built our woven willow fences and our woven willow play hut and is just so generous and he is a local artist design build artist as well so um because of you can probably tell with the pre-k dream house I I believe in a little bit of magic, you oh, know, yeah. and I was like, how great would it be if we could have like fairy houses in different places all over the property? And he proposed building these tiny fantasy tree house fairy yeah. houses. I'm like, okay, well, we've got to obviously have two residencies <laughs> this summer now. I'll figure out how to pay for yeah. it, but. There is. There's just an element of magic, and I think the kids bring that as much as anything. But when you see your dreams come true that you've had for 40 years, it also is magic. It's a lot of work, but... It's worth it. But it pushes it. you every day. Yeah. Like it's, just like, it's not like you're coming, sitting in a cubicle, punching no. numbers, clocking. I barely make it day. into my office is why yeah. it's so messy. <laughs> yeah. So how are people listening? How do they get involved? I know you guys have a fundraiser every year. Uh, we maybe have, more than one. But yeah. just, you know, how does everyone get involved? How how do they help out? How do they enroll their kids? Like Tell, tell us all the, We've the information. Got the, everything kind of flows through our website. Okay. So org. Uh, you can find on the calendar you can find all the workshops and camps um, under regular programming you can find where to sign up for an interview for a pre-k to sign up for our after school program all the regular programming things our residencies um, and there's a place to sign up to be a member or to be a volunteer or both and Like I said, we haven't really fleshed out our membership and volunteer programs yet because we wanted to do it enough that we established our own policies and procedures because bringing volunteers in is great, but if you don't have a detailed description of what you want, what your intention is, not only will they feel unvalued and probably drift away, um, they might try to install their own policies and procedures into the activity and you don't really want that either. Um, I'm open to hearing suggestions, but, you know, it's pretty well thought out by now. Um, We have rock and roll camp for girls here every summer, and that's not our program. It's theirs. They're a local chapter of a national organization that's in Portland, New York, L.A., 
uh, maybe Atlanta. I'm not sure, but they have. We have 50 girls come in yeah. for a week who maybe have never played an instrument before and 50 volunteers, women. So 100 females wow. in the building. They move everything out of the building except for our office and Amanda, who's living here, her apartment. We even yeah. move her studio into her apartment and lock the door. But they use the whole building so that they can have a drum studio, a keys, guitar, yeah. bass, vocals. And... They get put into bands, yeah, and they write a song and perform it at the end of the oh, that's so cool. week. It's so wonderful, and being a part of that is one example of a community collaboration that yeah. we do. Um, our kids' film camp from spring break will be at Dead Center, showing at the Kids Fest this summer, and there's just all kinds of collaborations with other creative organizations all over the city yeah. and that helps get the word out as yeah, well yeah definitely that's awesome um like I know we've been trying to get this going for a little bit, but both conflicting schedules. But uh, it's great to finally hear the story. Great to finally see the building, see what you're doing here. I mean, it's like you said, you. it's four years in of yeah. being open, but obviously this has been a 40 year dream of yours, and yeah. just to see it and be like the queen of your home palace now, yeah, right? That's like that's great. how I see it, you know? Yeah, I don't um, know about that. <laughs> Depends on yeah, the day and how yeah. staff's feeling. Well, if you if you stay in office as long as she has, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Queen Liz. Yes, I love her. Yeah. I think it's amazing. And you know what? There are a lot of great examples around when you get nervous or when you don't know what to do about something. um, That's the beauty of Oklahoma City, too. And that's why I love Savannah. I feel like it's two very welcoming places. Um, There are a lot of people that are willing to share. Uh experience and advice when's the next fundraiser well we just had our earth day long day long extravaganza okay so uh that's the one that we have spring is always fundraising i'm thinking about having a back to school concert in the fall yeah um but it depends on whether i can actually nail down the bands (laughs) i've talked to so yeah i don't i don't publicize anything until Until a contract is signed yeah. <laughs> I learned that from Chad and Stephen down at Tower. They were yeah. like, we keep everything in the back pocket just it's in case. Just so, smart. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, Thank you. Definitely, like I said, if when it comes up, we'll definitely help you, you know, not that you need it, but help well, you no, we need push it. that Thank one and, and get some publicity, you know, publicity you. for that. And, and definitely, hopefully, I can attend this time because yeah. you know, I was out of town the last time. So, um, but Amy, again, thank you so much for your time. This is really cool. Thank uh, you for coming. And, and guys, if you're down in the Paseo, definitely check it out. 612, was it Northwest? 29th Street. It's just Street. a block west of the main Paseo Drive and just across the street to the south of the old Trinity Church. Right on the corner. It's the yeah. best looking building in the Paseo. Let's just ah, say that you. much. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll check it. See you later. Bye. Bye. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.
This podcast was produced by Mike Hearn and Ian Weston. Mixed by Alan Brown with music by Chad Duro.